Thank you very much. All right. Well, tonight I am going to be talking to you about peace. And my reason for talking about peace is that um, about maybe two months ago, I went through something in my life, not a big deal. Everybody goes through things. But it was just something that um, challenged me with in the area of fear and emotions, uh, in my emotions, in my, um, you know, feeling sadness, in feeling whatever, all these things that we feel that um, dramatic situations bring into our lives. And because of that, I, um, I learned some new things. I don't want to say new. Nothing's new. The word of God is um, not new. But I new things were revealed to my heart about who God is. And whenever I love to get to talk about the things that are really dear and precious to me, because I think that that is going to be what I'm going to care about the most. So anyway, that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Um, when I was dealing with some of these things and, and really seeking God in um, for who he was when I was going through some things, uh, one of the scriptures that really stood out to me was that this scripture that we always talk about at Christmas time mainly, um, but Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. And I know it's a Christmassy verse, but it's actually not. It's just because it does talk about Jesus as a baby. But it talks about um, Jesus as our peace before Jesus ever entered the scene on the earth. And again, I think we should look at it not just as a Christmas carol, but instead as something that is really proclaiming the character of who Jesus is. So if you'll look with me to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, let's read it. It says, For unto us a child is born... Unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. Amen. And his name will be called, these are the names of Jesus, some of many. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. He's our Prince of Peace. Now, That Prince of Peace, that's been something that um, I've been just, that's been on my mind, on my heart for the past couple months. Who is Jesus as my Prince of Peace? What does it mean that he's my Prince of Peace? Did you know that the Bible uses the word peace, talks about peace 332 times? That's a lot of talking about peace. That's more than it talks about healing. It's more than it talks about a lot of things that we might think would trump peace. And yet God references and talks about peace 332 times because he intends for us to be peaceful people. If we go around, unfortunately, if you go around and you ask someone how they're doing, and usually you'll get the like generic good or fine answer, but if they really were to answer you honestly, and I think because of like working for a church and working in ministry, people maybe are a little bit more honest with me, but, um, but often they'll say, oh, life is hard. The kids are, I don't know how to handle this. My house, it's, you know, messy. Finances are really tight. My job is really stressful or I'm looking for a job or my boss is really awful or whatever. There's all these things in their life that are stressful and frustrating and burdensome and all this stuff. And 
that's really where most people live most of the time. Christians and non-Christians, most of, majority of the time, there are things in their life that are not peaceful and there are things that are, they allow themselves, their emotions, to be outside of peace. And there's this really, really wrong understanding of what peace is. In fact, I was talking to some, someone today asked me what I was teaching on, someone who doesn't go to our church. And I said, I'm going to, you know, um, I don't know where they're at with the Lord. And I, I, so I was like, well, I'm talking about peace, you know, the peace of God. And, you know, what, you know, I, I was in kind of in a hurry, so I wasn't really looking to preach to them about what it was about. And, um, they said, you know, well, I, I know peace. When I do yoga, I feel peace. And when I look at the ocean, I feel peace. And there's a lot of things that people will say. I feel peace when I, you know, have my coffee in the morning or drink a glass of wine later in the evening. You know, people in the world, they'll have different things that they say, these things bring me peace. But that's not the peace that God talks about. We have a we have a worldly understanding of what peace is, what peace means. Um, the understanding that the world seems to have is tranquility, temporary tranquility, or um, quietness, or um, just um, maybe like life being slow, life not being busy for a moment. And that's what this understanding of peace is to the world. And a lot of when I say to the world, I would say to the world and 90% of Christians too. Unfortunately, most Christians have the same worldview as the world. So um, this is the idea that most people have of what peace is. And peace is something that people are constantly trying to attain, which is why people spend so much money on self-help, so much money on antidepressants, so much money on all of these things um, that they're... Nothing, I'm not saying anything about, against yoga, but like people go to yoga most of the time not to stretch, but because they want to find peace. They want to have, you know, namaste and all this stuff about like just going and finding peace. So I, I took yoga for a little while and I just, I was trying to get limber. And, um, and really these women were there, you're talking to them and they're saying, yes, you know, I just, it's the only peaceful hour of my entire week. I have to come. I can't imagine life without it. And I'm thinking like, this is my least peaceful time. I am so sinking sore and sweaty after this, my goodness, but that's fine. Um, but anyway, so, so Jesus has been, so Jesus though, he is our, he says he's our Prince of Peace. God says about Jesus through Isaiah that he is our Prince of Peace. His name is the Prince of Peace. Now, why is it, the reason why him being the Prince of Peace is so interesting is that if he is our Prince of Peace, that means that he's our ruler of peace. He's the ruler of a kingdom of peace. By being a prince, that's a place of authority. It's a place of ruling. And that means that he is a ruler of a kingdom of peace. Now, we live in a nation that is in, you know, um, silly elections and turmoil. We live in a world that's at war. But if you are a Christian and Jesus is your Lord, that means that you've given him a position of lordship, kingship in your life. And so then you live in a kingdom of peace. So you might live in a world of war, but you live in a kingdom of peace. And you have to be, we need to understand, how do we know how to not be world-minded, but instead be kingdom-minded? And how do we know what that kingdom of peace looks like and how to attain it and what it's for? So 
So I want to look at some more things that Jesus, straight out of the mouth of Jesus. Let's see what Jesus says about peace, about who he is in peace, and why this is so important, and what, what Jesus wants for our lives. Because I genuinely believe that if we can attain peace in our life, if we can live in the kingdom of peace, if we live in this peace, then this is the best evangelistic tool for the kingdom of God that we can have. If you're peaceful, if you are peaceful, real peace, like the Bible says, like God's word talks about, the world will want the Jesus that you have. But we have to, we have to know it can't be fake peace. It can't be a show. It can't be a like, oh, I know the world is watching me, so I better act really cool. Sure, everything is so good. Yes, I know that non-Christians are looking at me right now, so I'm just going to smile and not pretend that my house is an absolute mess and insanity and that inside I'm freaking out, but I'll just keep smiling because I don't want them to think that, and I want them to know that I love Jesus. You know, like this is a lot of times the attitude that we have, but we have to know real peace. What does it mean? Who? What is it, and how can we get it? So Matthew chapter 11, let's look at some things that Jesus says out of the mouth of our Lord. Matthew chapter 11, verse 20, we're going to start in verse 28. And it says, Jesus says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, I'm sure you've heard that scripture before. But we need to know what it means. I I think that my yoke is easy and my burden is light is probably one of the more quoted scriptures out there. Um, But I honestly think most people don't really know what the yoke of Jesus even is. So what is, if his yoke is easy and his burden is light, well, what is this yoke that we're supposed to take? Why is it light? And what does that mean for our life? Now, we'll look at that in a little bit. But I want to keep talking. I want us to keep moving in some more scriptures on what Jesus says about himself and peace. So here's a couple things that Jesus said in the days, the day or the days right before he's crucified to his disciples. In John chapter 14, starting in verse 25, it says, these things I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Now, Jesus points out, not like the world gives so we, he's identifying here, my peace is not like the world's. It's not what you're expecting, and it might not even be what you want. It might not be the, um, the idea that you have of peace, but he says, I'm giving you this peace, not like the world gives, but I have it for you. Let's see. Let's go to John chapter 16.
verse 33. And it says this, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. These things I have spoken to you that in me, you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Amen. Such a good scripture. We talk about, this is a scripture we go to with the teenagers. It's such a good scripture. Oh my goodness. Jesus has overcome the world. Amen. This is a truth. And he says though, in me, you will have peace, but in the world, you will have tribulation. There is a promise from Jesus that you're going to have tribulation in this world. That's a promise. Did you know that? Not all of the promises from Jesus are all about things that sound flowery and perfect and fun. There is a promise that in this world, you are going to have tribulation. I am going to have tribulation. We are going to meet tribulation. But look, take cheer. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world, which means that all tribulation has an end. Jesus. All of a tri- all tribulation that comes has an end, and it's Jesus, and that's our peace. Our peace comes from knowing that all tribulation has an end, and it's Jesus. But unfortunately, it's super easy to lose peace before we ever see the end of our tribulation. And we take part of this tribulation. We don't even need to take part in it. Tribulation can come. Tribulation looks like, you know, uh, There may be things that happen in your life that look like there's no end. There might be hurts. There might be um, things that the world brings that look like from the surface that there is no end. There is no um, answer. But there has to be. There always has to be an answer. There always has to be a, um, a way out. Because Jesus said, I have overcome the world. Now, it might not be the answer that we think it should be or look the, come the way that we want it to come. And so that's why this piece is so important. We're gonna, I have so many more scriptures. Like I said, 332 times. I promise we're not going to all of them, but we've got to look at a grip of these scriptures because they're so good. So much better than anything that I'm going to say to you tonight is what these scriptures have to say. So... This peace, though, if we, um, if we live in it, then we never need to question that there is an answer, that there's an out to these tribulations. When tribulations do come, we don't have to be shaken. We don't have to be rocked. We don't have to be worried. We don't need to let our emotions get tangled up in them because we are confident that Jesus has overcome the world. But it just often... So often when I talk to people, the problem is that the answer doesn't look the way they want it to look. It doesn't come the way we want it to come. Usually it takes surrender on our part. Usually it takes giving up our own motives and our own thoughts and our own plans. And that's that's where the rubber meets the road. Are you willing to have peace? Do you want to live in the peace of the Lord? What if you have to give up something that you love that's important to you? What if, you, what if it has to come a different way? What if your lifestyle has to change? What if something has to happen that makes you feel uncomfortable? 
to live in peace? Are you willing to live in it or are you going to stay in turmoil to hold on to the, thing, the way that you want things to work? And that's a question I had to answer. It's a question we all are going to have to answer. And I think it's one we have to answer over and over and over again. But Jesus says, I have overcome the world. Um, and that's why he's given us his word. He's given us his word so that we can have peace because he's overcome the world through him overcoming the world. So Jesus says these things to his disciples. He says, listen, um, I've sent you peace. I'm sending you this Holy Spirit. It's better for you that I go. I know you don't understand that right now, but it really is. I promise he's going to bring you peace. All these things that now on, on the other end, we understand Jesus goes to the cross, right? We just celebrated Easter. We all, this should be all fresh in our minds. Um, Jesus goes to the cross. He dies. He goes to hell. He gets the chains to sin and death. He comes and he rises again, right? And then he comes and he hangs out with his disciples again. Um, let's see here. And let's look at Luke chapter 24, verse 36. So we'll start in verse 36. And this is fun. We were just talking um, on Sunday night. We, on, we had a few youth with us and like 15 youth leaders because it was Easter and most of the teenagers were with their family. And so we just read through Luke chapter 24 and kind of talked about how things were working and what people were doing. And we didn't finish the chapter. But um, we read through this. And uh, I thought this was an interesting thing. So in Luke chapter 24, verse 36, listen to what Jesus says. The first thing that he says when he shows up to his disciples to tell them that he's alive and he's here. He says, now as they said these things, the disciples, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, peace to you. Some translations say, peace be with you. Peace to you. He's like, I'm here. I'm peace. Peace is my name. I am Jesus. You should know the book of Isaiah. It says I'm the prince of peace. Remember, and I am here with you. I'm showing up. I'm alive. And, and this is real. And then he says in verse 37, it says, but they were terrified and frightened and supposed that they had seen a spirit. So Jesus, it says peace and they freak out. They're doing the exact opposite. Jesus comes with peace and they, they react in fear. How interesting is that? How often is that something that maybe happens in our life too? Jesus shows up with peace, but it's not the way that we want peace to happen in our lives. It doesn't look the way we want it to. It, this peace requires us to stretch. It requires us to grow. It requires, like the disciples, it requires us to accept Jesus for who he really is, not who we want him to be. And so we react with fear and terror. And it says that they supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do you doubt? Or why do doubts arise in your heart? Behold my hands and my feet. That is, I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. And then he goes on to eat food with them and show them that he can swallow. And it's cool. So then, let's see here. Let's just, let's talk about this. Okay, so here's just some, here's some basic things. These are Jesus saying that I am, I am peace. Now, like I said, these are just, this is just a small, small part of the peace in the Bible. 332 times peace belongs to you. The Bible talks about actions that go with peace. It talks about what peace um, does for your life when you receive peace. Psalms has so many scriptures of peace. If you are looking for, if you just do a word search on peace, you'll have so many Psalms come up. It's amazing. The word of God is filled with peace. But how do we attain it and what does it look like? So let's go back 
with me, let's go back and look at Matthew chapter 11 again. Because I, wanted, um, I just wanted to read through all the things that Jesus said about himself with peace. I think it's so interesting to look at Jesus and really see that he knew he was the Prince of Peace. He knew that he was um, here to bring peace to our lives, but not the kind of peace that the world expects to receive. Again, peace that the world expects to receive is this feeling of um, serenity. But the peace that the Bible talks about, the peace that Jesus talks about, often has a lot more to do with war and protection than it does with tranquility and laying back and letting people run all over you. We have this idea that peace, okay, like in politics, right? People will say things like, um, or when you're talking about um, wars and politicians and decisions that they make, people will be like, I just want a peaceful candidate. In fact, there was this lady I knew who I had to unfriend on Facebook because I literally could not stand to see the things that she posted. And she said, I desperate, she said, I want to have a, a peaceful candidate and there's no one peaceful enough for me to vote for. And she said that her, what she would like is that if some, if a country came and attacked our country, that we would say, please come and kill us because we would rather you kill us than us kill you and step outside of peace. And uh, luckily, I didn't have to comment because it was so idiotic that hundreds, like just so many people commented and were like, that's nice for you, but not for my children. So please don't spread these things. You know, like everyone identified that this is crazy except for her. So I, I couldn't handle it. I had to, she, she had to leave my Facebook page. Um, but really there is this idea that that's what peace is. I'm going to lay over, I'm going to lay down here and I'm going to let you run all over me. And, um, I'm just going to ignore it. And this is going to be peace. I'm a, I, this is me being peaceful. You're going to trample all over me and we're going to, you're going to have a good time doing it. And I'm just not going to be upset about it. Have fun. And that's not what God says about peace at all. So let's look back to, if you will with me, go back to Matthew chapter 11, starting in verse 28. And let's really look at what Jesus is saying here. He says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. So number one, he says, come to him, right? Our first reaction, if we are feeling, if, if things feel heavy, if they feel like we can't handle them, if they feel overwhelming, number one, step number one, Jesus says, come to me, come to Jesus, come to the throne of our Prince of Peace. We go directly to Jesus. And then what does he say? He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So number one, he says, come to him. Number two, he says, Take his yoke upon you. Okay, so we need to identify what this yoke of Jesus is. Because um, you guys know, I'm sure, what a yoke is. A yoke is like this thing you put over a cow, and then it can pull a, or a, I guess probably any large animal, and it can pull a farming equipment behind it, and or probably other things, and I don't know. It, usually a yoke is something that carries a heavy burden. Usually when you put a yoke on an animal, it's something that pulls a heavy load. So when Jesus is saying, take my yoke, it's kind of an interesting contradiction. Usually a yoke is identified with something that's very heavy and very burdensome and a lot of work. And he's saying, my yoke is 
easy, but he doesn't say, take off your yoke and don't have a yoke anymore. He doesn't say that. He could say that. Jesus could say, give me your yoke, give me your burden, give me your whatever, and done. And don't wear anything and go do a dance. But he doesn't. He says, take my yoke. There is a yoke. There is a... um, There is a job. There is something that we are supposed to wear that Jesus has. And so let's look at what this is. In 1 John chapter 5. Let's go to 1 John chapter 5. And let's try to find out what Jesus' yoke is. 1 John chapter 5. And we'll look in verse... We'll start in verse 3. He says this. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the son of God. So what is this yoke that we're supposed to carry that that Jesus has given us? It's... The commandment of love, the commandment of Jesus is this yoke that he gives us. There is a job, there is a um, responsibility, there is something that we carry that it's, um, that, that belongs to Jesus. It was paid for in righteousness. Jesus takes our yoke, our yoke of sin, our yoke of um, destruction, and he takes it upon him, and then he go, and he has paid the price for that yoke. So he puts a new yoke on us and he says, my, I've paid for your yoke with my blood. But now here is the yoke that I've paid for and you get to wear. And now you're supposed to keep my commandments. And it says in John chapter, or first John chapter five, it says his commandments are not burdensome. Just like he says, take my yoke. My burden is light. It's, it's, this is a light. It's, it's a light burden. It is not something that's burdensome. God is not calling us to a life of stress. It's not, he is not calling us to this life of um, tears and sadness and striving and lowliness. And he's not calling us to this life of um, this desperate life of not knowing what Jesus has for our life. Like so many Christians believe. So many Christians believe that the life of of a Christian is one where you give up everything that you want to do. You give up the thing, your goals and your plans and the things that you love. You walk away from all these things. You don't have money. You don't own a house. Every, you know, you're filled with poverty and, and somehow, and usually you die of some sort of sickness and somehow Jesus is glorified in this. And this is the yoke that God has called you to. And somehow that's light, but it doesn't, that doesn't make any sense. Instead, he says, my burden is light. My yoke is light. Keep my commandments. And he says that these, um, let's see, in verse 5, it says, Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. This is the yoke that we carry. We carry the yoke that is we believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And what that really means is obeying his commandments. And I believe that this is where the majority of the world misses it. We want peace as Christians. Maybe a lot of Christians know some of these 332 scriptures on peace, but they don't understand that the only way that you get this peace is by carrying a new yoke of Jesus that is obeying his commandments. 
There is a yoke to carry. He doesn't just take it away and leave us with no yoke. This yoke of the commandment of love is very important to him. And let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, if you will, with me. Um, and we'll look more at what this is talking about. What's our responsibility in this life? I believe that most of the time when people come and they'll say things like, I am depressed, I don't have vision, I don't know what to do, my life feels pointless or lonely, these things that depression, these words of depression that so many people have, Christians, non-Christians, people just have all the time. But let's talk specifically about Christians. When they say these things, there's something missing. They don't understand the yoke of Jesus. They're not wearing the yoke that God has given them. They might have accepted Jesus as their savior, praise God, they're going to miss the flames, but they're not wear they're not actively wearing the yoke that Jesus has told them to wear, this light and easy yoke. And so um I believe that this yoke of Jesus is our answer to depression. It's our answer to fear. It's our answer to to wandering. And in 2 Corinthians, if you, did you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5? Did I tell you that? Verse 17 is where we're going to start. Let's look at what it says. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. Now, all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us, listen to this, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. We're going to keep reading, but I want to pause for a second here. A lot of times I believe, because these are very used scriptures, that people um, read this, old things have passed away, all things have become new, and stop. But it says, now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Amen. A lot of times we read the first couple verses and we read the last verse that we just read and that whole chunk, second, middle, or whatever that middle chunk is not quoted. Um, most people, a lot of people even have those few verses up at the top and that one at the bottom memorized. And that's wonderful. Those are powerful, important verses. But those, but the scriptures in the middle that he's given us the ministry of reconciliation, this is our job to plead with the world to understand that Jesus Christ has paid the, um, with his blood for their righteousness. These 
This is the yoke of Jesus. This is the calling on our lives. This is the yoke that's been exchanged our life for Jesus's. He's been, he, he took our burdens and then he says here, now take mine, which is be me on this earth and walk around and do the ministry of reconciliation that I've called you to. And unless we're living in the ministry of reconciliation, unless we are actively pursuing that and living up to the calling and the yoke that Jesus has put on us, then we don't get to live and know the true peace of God. The ministry of reconciliation is directly connected to living in peace. If we aren't actively looking at the world the way that God has called us to, in the ministry that Jesus has called us to, then yeah, we will experience frustration. We will experience um, depression and sadness and be overwhelmed and, and feel directionless because we're not living up to the burden that God has put on us. It's a very, very light burden until we don't live up to it and then it starts to feel heavy. When we live, when we, when we actively move and we pull this burden, this, this yoke that Jesus has put on us, it's very easy. It's very light. It's right it makes sense. Our lives make sense. When attacks come, they don't matter because our eyes are focused on Jesus and we're moving towards the goal. When, um, when we're sitting at home, not doing anything, not actively doing the ministry that Jesus has called us to, it's very easy for things to feel overwhelming. When attack comes, you consider, you have time to sit around and be like, oh, poor me. Everything is going wrong. But if you are actively doing ministry, if you're, if you're ministry minded and you're looking at the world for what it really is, if you're seeing the people who are being crucified in the name of Jesus, if you're seeing the lost that are, what is it, like a hundred thousand people go to hell every single day, if our mindset is on these things, if our mind is aware and our hearts are aware of the ministry that we're called to. Then we don't have time to let the devil mess with us. I'm sorry, devil. You can't mess with me today. I have the ministry of reconciliation to go take care of. So I have to live in peace. I can't, I can't let you hang around here and mess with me and throw these thoughts into my mind because I have a job to do. And I know what Jesus has said. He said that you're gone and that you have no power over me and that he has one, he has um, overcome the world and that this is my peace. And because he's overcome the world, I live in that peace and I'm going to go do the ministry of reconciliation that I've been called to do today. So move on. You know, he stops messing with you so much when he realizes that you're doing the ministry of reconciliation. You, you can't be messed with. You have a job that you're doing. There's no point. And a lot of times, um, I think that emotions get in the way of this and we all have them, right? Pastor Mike has them. We all have, he might make jokes, but we all have emotions and our emotions are real and emotions are where the devil plays. He, um, this is where he messes with us. It's the only real place he ha can mess with us, right? The devil, the Bible says that the devil's come as a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. I know you guys know these scriptures. You're here as much as I am. Um, so he's not real. He, he, he's not really able to attack you. He doesn't really have sharp claws, but his, 
his bark is loud. And um, if you give him authority in your life, then he will devour you. He, he has to get that authority from you. But he plays with our emotions. He plays with our mind. And so I believe that this is where we get caught up a lot of the time. There might be things in our past or things that have happened to us that we are holding on to. And I want to, it's kind of, this might seem like a bunny trail, but it really is something I want us to talk about because um, I've, I've experienced it and I think it's important. If at any point in our lives we realize that we're holding on to hurt or anger or frustration or things that steal peace in our life. Maybe someone did something to you or you did something that you shouldn't have done and you can't, you don't seem to be able to forgive yourself or you can't seem to be able to forgive someone else or, uh, or something happened in your life. A lot of times we hold on to things because if we feel like if we let them go, then it feels like they don't matter anymore or like they didn't really happen or like, um, or like if we let them go, then if someone did something wrong to us, then we're letting them get away with it. And they should have to pay for what they did to us because they hurt us. And it's, these are real things. These are real emotions. And they're things that every single one of us deal with at some point or another. And they're, like I said, these are real things. But let's see here. I have some scripture. <laughs> But in Mark 11, I know you think you know what we're going to read, but um, well, we'll start there. We'll go. We'll start in verse 22, but we're going to read a little further. Mark 11, starting in verse 22. It says this. So Jesus answered and said, and said to them, have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things which he says, they will be done and he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Now, let's read 25. And then what, and whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your father in heaven forgive you your trespasses. We have to forgive. You have to forgive yourself. You have to forgive other people. You have to forgive your parents. You have to forgive your coworkers and your bosses. You have to forgive yourself. I believe that most of the time, the people, the person that we harbor unforgiveness to the most is ourselves. Maybe we've done something we, sh- we wish we shouldn't have done. We missed something. Whatever it is, something happened. All of us make mistakes. And often the people that we harbor unforgiveness to the most are ourselves. But our prayers are hindered when we have unforgiveness in our heart, when we don't let go of hurts, 
when we don't let go of, when we, when we hold on to emotions, what happens is Jesus becomes very distant. And the ministry of reconciliation gets further and further away because our emotions are so real. And hearing the voice of God becomes very difficult because of this scripture, which says that our prayers are hindered when unforgiveness lives in our heart. And so when we hold on to this, this unforgiveness, like I said, it can be towards yourself. It can be towards, maybe it doesn't even seem like it's towards anyone in particular. You're just hurt. You're just angry. Something has happened. Maybe you don't know who to be angry at or who to be hurt by, but you're just hurt. But when, when you hold on to these things, they make our prayers stop working. And when our prayers are blocked, we don't hear from the Lord. And when we don't hear from the Lord, we aren't actively fulfilling the job that we were created to fulfill. And when you are actively fulfilling the job that you were created to fulfill, your life will not be peaceful. It can't be. When something was created to do something, and then it is not doing that thing, it does not feel right. Um, there's a scripture that um, Jesus, I'm, I, I don't know exactly where it is, and I'm probably going to misquote it, but Jesus says, you're the salt of the earth. But sometimes salt loses its saltiness. Don't lose your saltiness is pretty much what he says. But how can salt, it's impossible for salt to lose its saltiness. Salt is salt. It's always salty. And so this, this word that it actually uses, and I'm quoting um, Garrett because he talks about this a lot. But, um, and so I don't, I don't remember it. I wasn't planning on talking about it. But it uses a specific word that means pretty much like um, retarded something that is not working the way that it's supposed to work. And that's what it's like when we aren't being the salt of the earth. We're not who we were created to be. So something's not going to feel right. And so then we're not going to have the peace of God. Now, this peace... So, so again, so how do we get this peace? By obeying the Lord. Let's look at one last group of scriptures. Let's talk about one last thing in Philippians chapter 4. We'll start in verse 6. This was kind of a nice topic to talk about because, like I said, there was no lack of scriptures to take us to. It's more the opposite of trying to pick which ones we should go to. But Philippians chapter uh, 4, I hope I said that right. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, we'll start there. It says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, let's pause there, but I want to keep reading in a little bit. So it doesn't say that you're never going to have emotions of unrest. It doesn't say that you're not going to have attacks. Again, like we said, there's a promise from Jesus that we're going to have attacks. But it says, be anxious for nothing. So when anxiety comes, 
what do you do? What do you do when anxiety comes? You go to the Lord with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving. You make your requests known, and then you decide to move forward in the ministry that God has called you to. You, you move forward that day in your life in the yoke, with the yoke that Jesus has given you. Again, if you walk in the yoke, if you live in the yoke, then you have peace. So, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So take your requests to God and be uh, have thanksgiving when you are doing it. I was listening to an old sermon by an older sermon by Pastor Mike. I think it was like 2011, and he was talking about. Um, peace and joy. That's why I was listening to it. And he was talking about dancing and he was talking about how, um, you know, he'll dance in his office when things are going wrong. And I love it so much. I'm so grateful to know that we have a pastor who, who's willing to dance in his office to bring in the victory and the joy and the, the peace that we need as a church and to, to take us into that. And that's what we have to do in our lives too. We need, to, we need to have joy. We need to have thanksgiving and not sit there and be like, I don't feel like it, so I'm just going to sit here. But instead, when anxiety comes, which it will, go to the Lord with prayer and supplication and then thanksgiving. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and minds through Christ Jesus. This is how we, so this ministry of reconciliation that we have, how it works is that we then, because we're actively carrying the burden, we're carrying the yoke of Jesus, what happens is then we get to live in this peace that surpasses human understanding and the world desperately wants it. When you have peace that passes human understanding, your own understanding and the understanding of the world, when you live in that, and that's, the, that's where we're called to live every single day of our lives. When we live in that, I promise you, the world will desperately want what you have because they're lost, because they're hurting, because they don't know true peace. They think yoga and the ocean are peace. They're not. But they think that's it. They think that's the end of peace. But when we have peace that passes human understanding, when terrorist attacks do not bother us in any way, shape, or form, because it doesn't matter, they're going to want to know what we have. And we can give it to them. We can fulfill the calling. We can fulfill the yoke. Uh, We can walk in it. And then it says this. It says, let's see here, in verse... Eight. It says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the God of Peace will be with you. Our thought life is going to be everything. When you allow fear to take root in your life, when you allow thinking outside of the word to take root in your life, when you think on anything but these lovely, this lovely list of wonderful things that are here, then, then 
destruction will come into your life. It will come into your marriage, into your household, into your businesses, and into every area of your life. And it will steal the ministry of reconciliation that has been given to you by Christ Jesus. We have a responsibility not only to the world, but to our families and to our children and to our spouses to live in peace. I think, my goodness, what does a marriage look like if both people only walk in the peace of the Lord and don't and are not anxious for anything? What does parenting look like if we're always at peace and we don't react to emotions, but instead stay in the peace of the Lord and only think on good things? What does it look like? It looks like something the world will want to know about. It looks like something that divorce does not come out of. And that children are, are raised to be men and women of God who then continue the ministry of reconciliation. This peace, if you look at the definition of biblical peace, what it's really talking about is um, actively protecting what God has paid for. That's what peace is. When you live a life of active protection of what God has paid for, what Jesus has paid for, then you have peace. And sometimes that requires violence. Sometimes that requires being strong. Sometimes it requires not being trampled on. But it's peaceful. The world has a very false idea of what peace is, but we have to think on lovely things. We have to think on what is true. In every single area, the devil will come and he'll tell you things are wrong with your spouse, things that are wrong with your children, things that are wrong with your church, with your pastor, with your job, with your boss. With every area of your life, the devil will come and he will plant seeds of doubt, seeds of seeds of um, frustration, being overwhelmed, feeling at unrest. These are all seeds and tools of the devil. And if we allow those things to take root in our lives, then they will take root and they will steal our, our peace. They will steal the, um, the things that Jesus, the Prince of Peace, has paid for. So this is what I want to leave with is this. The world is a world of war. The nation is crazy but we live in a kingdom of peace because our prince is Jesus Christ, who is the prince of peace. And he's given us his yoke and his yoke is the ministry of reconciliation. So if at any point in your day, you question your purpose or your calling, or if you feel outside of peace, then go back to, am I fulfilling the ministry of reconciliation that has been given to me? Am I carrying the yoke? that is easy and light and fulfill that and you will have peace. So let's pray and let's end and go home and enjoy your evenings. But Lord Jesus, I thank you so much that you are our Prince of Peace, that you are our mighty God and our counselor and our almighty Father, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you um, are the God of peace, that you have paid for peace in our lives. Lord, Tonight, I just, um, I want us to come as a group and, and go before you. And Lord, we, and put down, if you will with me, if there's anything in your life that is, has gotten in the way of 
hearing from the Lord, unforgiveness or um like I said, to yourself, towards yourself or towards anyone or hurt or, or trouble or things that have stolen your peace from you, have stolen the place of peace with the Lord, then I believe it would be good for us to leave those things at the cross of Jesus, at the feet of our Lord and walk away from them and make a, mo- a, a, a monument in time where we have chosen to walk away from anything that has caused us unrest, anything that we've allowed to get in the way of our peace, of thinking of on things that are lovely and good and true and get back to wearing the yoke of Jesus. So I'm going to pray this. And if you want to just agree with me in your seat, I encourage that. And I ask you to do it with me. Lord, tonight, Anything that's in the way, anything that, uh, any unforgiveness that we've held on to, any hurts from our past that we've allowed to get in the way of hearing your voice and understanding your word and of walking in peace, Lord, tonight we put the, we lay those things down. And Lord, I thank you that you said that you are our defender. You are our protector that you fight for us and we don't have to fight for ourselves, that you've already fought our battles and that you've gone before us. So Jesus, I thank you that you're our defender and I thank you that you're our peace and we, we lay these things at your feet tonight, Lord, and we give them up to you, Jesus. Take them away, Lord, and we thank you that you have, uh, that you've brought us close to you, that you draw us into your peace, Lord Jesus. Be our Prince of Peace. Be our Prince of Peace tonight, Jesus, and every day from now on forward. And Lord, I ask that you would now teach us how to walk into the ministry of reconciliation that you have given us, Jesus. Your yoke is easy and your burden is light. And show us how to walk with your yoke and your burden. Show us what it looks like. Reveal it to us in our lives, Lord. Every single day, Lord, we choose to to take up your yoke and to carry it and to walk in it and to view everything in this life through your word, everything in this life through the good and lovely and true word of God that you have given us. Lord, oh, thank you for your ministry. Thank you that it is peace. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. In your name, Lord. Amen.